So there's two things that I think that I can guess at today and be pretty accurate. One of them is if you're here, you either got your deer or you don't care. And the second one is is that you want to learn something that God has for you in the Bible. Is that a fair assumption to make? Thank you. Good. Luke 16 is where we're going to be. We're going to pick up Jesus' teaching where Pastor Jeff left off a couple weeks ago. Remember that parable of the shrewd manager? He said something about that being the parable that was the least loved and the most misunderstood, least taught. And you know, that's absolutely true because it's just confusing. Today, Jesus didn't take a break between that one and today's message. Jesus just kept right on talking. We've had two weeks, but this is just a continuation of what Jesus was teaching in that parable. Now, remember, we're in this series, and the title of the series is, Who is Really Looking Back at You in the Mirror? I knew when we laid this one out and we we, uh, picked these Scriptures, I knew it wasn't going to be easy because really the whole point is to say we live in a world where we look at other people and their faults and problems, but the world doesn't tell us to look at our own. It isn't very often that we stop and take a look at ourselves and say, what do I need to do to clean house inside of myself? But that's the whole point of this series is to give you an opportunity to use God's Word to take a look at who you are and where you're living. So Jesus continues this parable today. And what He really talks about, what He wants us to focus on in this parable, is what is it that you really value? What really matters to you? What's really important to you? What is actually the most important to you? It's a parable about money, but money is only part of it. The, the real meaning of this parable is an understanding of faithfulness. Jesus uses money because He knows that money gets to our hearts. And it's easy to turn our ears off and, and to put a wall around our hearts than we think that we're going to get preached to about money again. I'd ask you not to do that. What we're doing is we're following Jesus' teaching in this series of parables. And and what the enemy of God would like nothing more than for you to do is to say, I'm so sick of this, I'm not going to listen again. But at the same time, you're turning yourself away from the mirror and you're not looking at what's really going on inside of you. And so I would ask you not to just close your ears. Instead, grab your Bibles. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Jesus says, one who is faithful in very little. Now understand, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, right? These religious leaders that love to tell other people what they had to do with their lives while they just kind of went off doing their own thing. Jesus is talking to them, disciples, and a larger group of people. He says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Jesus starts out with a gut punch. I mean, that's all it is. You can't read this and go, that's for someone else. You can't read that and say, that doesn't apply to me. You've got to hear those words and say, where do I stand? Don't you? I do. So Jesus starts right out with this gut check, a heart check. So I'm going to ask you the obvious question. Are you faithful with what God has entrusted to you right now? Right now in this moment, having what you have, whether it's what you want or not, are you faithful in what God has entrusted to you? And I don't mean later. I'm going to be faithful later when I get out of debt, when I've got enough money, when I can afford to be faithful. Then I'm going to. When life gets a little easier, then I'm going to. I'm talking right now because Jesus is talking right now. You may not have a later. So are you faithful in the stewardship of what you have right now? But most of us, 
We think the amount that we have determines our willingness to be generous. But see, Jesus, He knows better, and He tells us and the people there, including the Pharisees that are listening, that when we're faithful, even with a very little, we'll be faithful when trusted with very much. And, He says, if you're dishonest, He uses the word faithful and dishonest. And if you're dishonest, even though you have little, you will be just as dishonest if you were to be given more. Now, here's something that I know. If you are here this morning and you are sick and tired of hearing talk about money, everybody's talking about money. Now I go to church and they talk about money. Here's what I know. If you're in a financial pickle, if you feel like you're in a hole, if you feel like you're on over your head, you feel like the bills have gotten to be too much, you feel like whatever it is, the last thing you want to hear about money, here's something I know. You are not in that spot because you have been a faithful tither with what you have. Being generous with your money did not get you in the pickle. And yet Satan wants to tell us that, you know what, God's just asking for more on top of everybody else. God wants some too. You know what, God gave you everything you had. Were you a faithful steward? Have you been a faithful steward? so easy to think that we'll give generously to God's work when things are easy. But sometimes the struggle is what really points us to whether or not we're financially faithful. I've joked with you in the past about how many peer you hear people too all the time. Everything's going to be different. Oh, I could just win the lottery. If I could win 150 million, I don't need one of the big ones. If I could win one of the 150 million dollar lives, it'd be so cool. I mean, the first thing I'd do is I'd give my church like 2,000 bucks. I got news for you. Breaking it down to where we live, this is where Jesus is, this is what Jesus is saying. What in the world would make you think that if you won the lottery, suddenly you'd have a generous heart? If you don't live generously now, if you don't tithe and give to the Lord's work thankfully for what He's already given you, what in the world makes you think that your heart is going to change when you get a $150 million check and you're going to turn around and tithe $15 million to your church? No way. You'll buy another house you don't need. It's not about the amount, folks. It's about the condition of our hearts. Verse 11, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to two rich, true riches? Jesus is really talking to the Pharisees here because they have become unrighteously wealthy. They've taken what people have given and they're living a life completely outside of anything that they should be entitled to. And it follows directly on the heels of what Jeff talked about two weeks ago. Even if what you have acquired has come to you in a way that you know isn't completely on the up and up, even if you skirted some laws and bounced around the IRS or maybe taken something that wasn't your own, God still expects you to be faithful because you are currently stewarding that money even if it isn't supposed to be yours. Jesus isn't letting anybody off the hook here. He is directly speaking to those Pharisees. And Jesus says, you know, if you can't even trust, be trusted with what's not rightfully yours, who in the world is going to trust you with true riches? things that have nothing to do with money. Is your heart this morning at a place where God can really speak to you about what really matters to Him? I was with uh, some folks this week that very recently lost someone they love very much. You want to talk about what really matters? You, You want to understand God values? If you've ever lost someone that you loved... 
You don't have another opportunity to steward that relationship here on earth. And the best that you can hope for is to see them again in heaven. You understand what God values. Relationships with people. That is at the top of God's list throughout Scripture. It's why He sent Jesus. So if Jesus is talking about true riches that have nothing to do with money, what is He talking about? How about being blessed with loving and caring family and friends? Because I'll tell you what, if you've lost one of those ever, you know what true riches are. Because when God took them home, you lost true wealth. Our greed and our selfishness, they only separate us from the people who want to love us most. That's what we do as people. How about the one resource we can never replace? How about time? I don't have enough time. I'd help out if I could. I don't have enough time. I would, but I'm just too busy. You know what? That's the one resource. There's nothing you can do to replace it. You're never going to get any more. You've got a fixed amount. God says, what are you going to do to steward that? That's true wealth, folks. That's true wealth. And if you don't take care of your time well, why in the world would you think God is going to send someone to you that's going to help you when you really need it and give up their time? How about this one? Think about your talents, your skills, your hobbies. Think about the things that you know how to do that maybe somebody else doesn't do. What are you doing with those things? All the stuff that God has put together in this, this wonderful, wonderful, unique soup that is you. What are you doing with those things to bless somebody else's life? Because every one of those things is true wealth that can come out in relationship. You can be faithful to God in all of those things. Lastly, what about the most significant relationship any of us can ever hope to have? A personal relationship with Jesus. Are you faithful in your relationship with Him? Are you faithful to Him? See, God wants His very best for us. And the reason that we know that is He sent His very best to us. He sent us His Son, Jesus. God gave Jesus to you as a gift when you deserve nothing but punishment. What are you doing with that relationship? Verse 12, And if you've not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? I read this verse and I think of people like Bernie Madoff. I think of people who take in millions of dollars from other people who have entrusted it to him to take care of them, to steward their wealth for them. And what he did is he used it for his own personal gain. He didn't care one bit about them. He didn't care one bit what happened to them. He didn't care that he didn't earn that money. He took it. And he used it for himself. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Be careful of having that kind of heart. Now remember, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the the hyper-religious church leaders when he's saying all of this. He tells them, you can't be faithful with the money that others give to you. If you can't do that, who's going to give you anything that's going to be your own? Because what the Pharisees realized is everything they had wasn't really theirs. They loved living the life, but it wasn't really theirs. It belonged to other people, and they were charged to be the stewards of it. It's one of the reasons around here we take our financial practices so seriously. Our accounting and our stewardship. If God, most importantly, and all of you can't trust us to faithfully and wisely steward what is given here, why would God ever give us anything of our own as a church? The Bible says that the the truth is in the fruit, right? So take a look around you. God has entrusted us with a beautiful facility, beautiful land, a beautiful view. 
a great place to gather and worship. And you know what God has entrusted us with that is more important than all of it? You, people. God continues to bring us people so that we can continue to bring people to God. The senior leaders of this place, the elders, we don't want to be a hindrance in any way to the blessing of the ministry that God would do through this place. This parable for us as a church and us as individuals is either a warning or an encouragement. And what happens from here for the next minutes moving forward is for you to decide. Is this going to be a blessing for you or an encouragement or is this going to be a warning and a conviction? Because Jesus was doing both because that's the point of a parable, remember? It's a simple story that has a much deeper spiritual truth. He goes on in verse 13, he says, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is where Jesus drives it home to the Pharisees, to the crowd, and to you and I. What's your choice going to be? You've got to make a choice. And as much as we complicate it and we try to justify and we make excuses and we tell ourselves and each other that I would if I could, but I can't, woe is me. Jesus says, what's your choice? You can't serve God and money. Which one are you going to follow? He makes it as simple as it all can be. So what will you choose? Will you choose to love God and be devoted to Him? Or will you choose to love money and be devoted to it? You cannot do both. Your heart goes one way or the other and your actions follow. We've all got to come to terms with that choice. And that choice, folks, defines our lives. That choice influences every single other decision that we make. Am I living and doing this for God or am I living and doing this for myself? Because money, if you want me to translate that part for you, money represents us. What we want, what we think we deserve, what we think we should have, what's mine, I've earned it. Are we going to follow God or are we going to follow money? So what's going to drive your choice? What's going to motivate your decision? Do you spend your, let me try this. Do you spend yourself thinking more, spending more time thinking about what you can give to Jesus and His church and to others, or do you spend your time making up reasons why you don't have to or can't afford to or shouldn't need to give anything? There's your choice. God or money. It's a little bit like loving a person. True love. True love looks to serve. It looks to give. It looks to help and to support and to encourage. The faithfulness that Jesus is talking about here looks the same way. Are we going to choose to follow God or are we going to choose to devote ourselves to money? So lest you think the preacher's being too hard on you this morning, let's go to Matthew 6.21. Use Jesus' own words. He makes it clear when He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If they would have talked like we do today, they would have said, Mic drop. End of sermon. It's not. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's as simple as that. And that's between you and God. And guess what? You can't lie to Him. You can tell all of us whatever you want to, but... That says it all. If you don't like that one, you're going to have to argue that one with God. Verse 14, the Pharisees have been listening now, right? The Pharisees were lover of monies and they, money and they heard all these things. And so what did they do? They were convicted to the heart and they changed their ways, right? No! They ridiculed Him. 
Talk about a commentary on human nature. The Pharisees knew Jesus was talking to them. They knew who they were and they knew what their choice was and that their priority was the love of money and not their love of God. They didn't love God and God's people more. They loved money and what money gave to them. So what do they do? They do what we still do today. Rather than being convicted and allow God to change their hearts, you know what they did? They ridiculed Jesus. Rather than accepting conviction from God saying, wow, we got to do something different, they start to make fun of the Son of God. They laugh at Him. They make fun. They encourage the rest of the people to do the same. That way they can feel better about their love of money and their sinful selves. And it's what we do in the church today, isn't it? We find other people who have the same dislikes and frustrations we do. We build a little army and we go, wow, they got a problem. And what they did is they started to mock Jesus. They ridiculed Him rather than accept that God was talking to them. And instead of making a change, they decide to make fun of God. There's not a lot of things that I know in the world. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I know that it's true. When we get to heaven, we're not going to meet many Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of Jesus' day and they're not going to be in heaven. Do you know why? Because they chose money, not God. And so while this parable might be a tough one, man, it can be an encouraging one for us too if we'll just soften our hearts and listen. Jesus said in verse 15, He says, And He said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. There's the stinger that a preacher can't make. But the words of Jesus, those things cut right to our hearts. He tells the Pharisees who are mocking Him that they're the ones who feel better by trying to justify their actions before men. You can feel good about yourself, but you know what? God knows what's in your heart. God knows who you really are. You can laugh it off and joke and say you know better. i got to be honest. I'm not bothered when I hear people complain we talk too much about money around here. Because I know that we don't. And I know that when we do, it's straight out of God's Word and it's using God's own words. And so if that's you and, and that's, that's a complaint or frustration you have, it, it may be God speaking through His Holy Spirit trying to convict your heart that you need to soften up and hear Him in a new and different way. And yet as people, you know what we do in churches? We're not really all that much different than the Pharisees, are we? We maybe don't ridicule Jesus, but we complain. It isn't what I want. I want to hear something different. That's not the message. That's not my problem. That's somebody else's problem. So here's the deal. I'm just like you. I know that money or the love of money can get in the way of my total love and devotion and commitment to God, and you know it just as well. And because I want God's best for you just like I want God's best for me, I'm going to speak truthfully and lovingly about money even if you don't want to hear it. Because there's nothing in this world that will keep you from the relationship that God wants to have with you greater and stronger and more totally than your love of money. The enemy of God can use that in ways that we can't even imagine to keep the truth from our heads. Remember the reason, one of the reasons that we talked about that Jesus taught in parables were because parables made sense to the people who believed. But they had a very different meaning, a superficial meaning to the folks who didn't believe and they didn't understand it. And so parables like this were in a very real sense a statement of judgment, but the people who were being judged didn't even know it. The Pharisees were being judged by Jesus for their love of money, and so what they did is ridicule Him rather than apologize. And parables still continue to do that today. 
They're a part of the way that Jesus made a, a statement of rejecting the Pharisees and all of the religiousness that believed that rules were more important than where your heart is in the relationship that you have with Jesus. But at the same time, in the same parable, in the same words, with the same crowd, the identical words of Jesus spoke a very different message to some people. It shined the light of truth on those who believed. And it provided fresh air to those people who were suffocating under the religiousness of the Pharisees and their impossible-to-keep laws. So while Jesus judged one group, He gave fresh air, light, and life to another in the same words. That's the heart of a parable is that it has the ability to do that. So if we're to summarize this one, I believe it would be this. That God wants from us a heart that is faithful to Him. First and foremost, above everything else. Because here's the deal. God possesses all the wealth in the world and He portions it out as He sees fit. The money that you have, the stuff that you have, is going to be someone else's when you die. God is going to reassign that wealth to someone else. We spend a lot of time and we put a lot of effort into making sure that we have plans in place that our money and our wealth goes to the people that we want because they'll be the ones who deserve it or will take care of it. But the simple fact of the matter is, when you leave this earth, you leave it behind. What you have been given by God to steward in this life is yours to steward right now. It is not a permanent eternal offer. It's an opportunity for you to faithfully steward and for God to see how it is that you and I do. This isn't a parable about being anything against wealthy people. and It isn't a parable that lifts up the prosperity gospel that has lied to America for a couple of decades now. What it is is a parable of simple truth. It makes clear God knows that money and possessions are often the greatest stumbling blocks to a strong and healthy relationship with Him. Very simply, God doesn't want us to love the things of this world. God wants us to love Him and God wants us to love each other and to use the things of this world to proclaim Him. God gives us resources we're called to use to show and to share God's love through what He has given us. Now, there's something you've got to understand and be real clear about here. This parable is not about how much you have. Because that's what we like to do, isn't it? We like to compare what we have to what everybody else has. We do it all the time. We do it in all kinds of ways. What it is about, what is at issue here is your heart and what you do with what you have. Now, the reason I say that is this. Because some of you see yourselves in the middle of the road. And you go, you know, it's easy for the people who don't have very much. They can't give very much, but they really should give more than they do. But we've got all these middle class debts. We can't really afford to do what the Bible says. It's those rich people that they need to be paying. They need to take care of it. And the people who have more, they say, well, you know, we're doing our part, but those folks that don't have as much, they haven't worked as hard. They haven't earned as much. You know, they're the ones that need to be doing more. They need to do more of the work. And the folks that have nothing are coming up with all kinds of reasons why, why they can't be faithful. And the fact of the matter is, God says it has nothing to do with how much you have. It has everything to do with your heart. And if you can separate away from what you think you deserve or you think you should have or what you think you have earned and get down to your heart, that's what God wants us to look at. That's why Jesus taught the parable about the widow and her mite, the two pennies that she put into the offering. Luke 21, verse 1. 
Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, she put in all that she had to live on. God didn't create the church so that the folks that you think are the rich people can carry the weight of the ministry in church. God is looking for all of us to do our part no matter how much you think you do or do not have. It isn't a matter of how much is in your bank account. That's why God talks about a percentage, not an amount. What it is about is a matter of your heart, your faithfulness, and your obedience to God. See, your dedication to someone or something isn't what matters. It's your faith in God. It's our our faith in God on a daily basis. Your belief that we live now in preparation for an eternity in heaven. That's the issue. God's getting at our heart attitude. It's why the Bible talks about joy. Do your outward actions reflect an inner peace and an inner joy? Do you have a gratitude that you have the opportunity to give? That's what Jesus is getting at. We get hung up on the dollar amounts, and that's not what He wants. Either we live with a heart that is unselfish and has a spirit of generosity, is thankful, and is not in love with money or the things of this world, and it's in love with God and with people, or we don't. It has nothing to do with how much. It has everything to do with what's in our hearts. We get to be the church. We get to care for the church and we get to carry out the ministry of the church. The only way that we can do that is to have a heart that is in line with God's own heart. One of my favorite lines from one of my favorite Christmas programs, because it can so easily describe me. Oh, it's from the Grinch who stole Christmas. I was going to dress up. No, I wasn't. From the Grinch who stole Christmas. You know where I'm going, folks. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why no one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. I'm afraid in so many cases that describes the Christian church today and how much we love Jesus. Our hearts are just too small. God has given us everything and we say, thank you, I'd like a little more, please. How big is your heart? Who and what does your heart belong to? God gave it to you. Are you holding on to it for your own desires? Are you holding on to your excuses and your justifications? Or are you freely giving everything that you are back to Him? Do you love money and stuff more? Do you love God and people more? You can only love God or money. You cannot serve both masters. Which will it be? What are you doing to show God your faith in Him and in your faithfulness and how it's lived out through the gratitude of a generous heart? That's really the question. And you know what? We all see the evidence of it. It's called the fruit. We see the evidence, but only you know and God know what's inside. A root of bitterness, a root of anger, a root of defensiveness or being offended. Or do you have a heart of generosity, of gratitude, of thankfulness? Is your heart the one that God gave you or has your heart grown two sizes too small? Let's pray.
God, thank you for this parable. This is not a fun one to teach. It's not a fun one to listen to and hear about. But it is so important because it gets to the one thing that can separate us forever from you. And that is our love of stuff and money. Money, which takes its form in so many ways, can be the one thing that keeps us from truly loving and serving you. And so, God, you're calling that out. You're telling us who we are. Jesus was gracious enough to use the example of the Pharisees. But we've got to look at it and take a look at where we are, who we are. God, my prayer this morning is that Your Holy Spirit would be alive and at work in this place and in our hearts. And God, if we need to be convicted, God, in Your Holy Spirit, don't let us back away. Let us step up to that mirror and look ourselves square in the face and ask You what it is that we need to change. How it is that we need to change. God, if we need a new understanding of You, a new understanding of money, or a new understanding of ourselves, it's not going to feel good. But we know that in Your Holy Spirit, He will gently guide us to who You created us to be. God, we want to be people who choose to love and follow You. We want to be devoted to You. We don't want to be devoted to money and the things of this world. And God, if we can get that part straight, then we know that we can truly be about the business of changing the culture in our area for You. But it begins with us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, where do we go from here? What do we do after hearing something like that, right? Well, first you've got to decide if you're going to come back next week and hear the rest of the parable. And when you go, you know what? You go and, and you love Jesus. And you love people. And you teach people to love Jesus. You have a heart of gratitude and you're generous. And with that, Jesus can use us to help to change the world around us. But it starts with us. First of all, we have to choose God, not money.